tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. That. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm going to tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. This week, we're talking about B2B marketing lessons from Marvel's Iron Man and how to use the origin story in your marketing. Tony Stark. Visionary. Genius. American Patriot. Even from an early age, the son of legendary weapons developer Howard Stark quickly stole the spotlight with his brilliant and unique mind. Iron Man is based on a comic book superhero. He first appeared in 1964, um, and he was created by Stan Lee. That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios. You learn that he's like this prodigy, like this tech prodigy. Connect to the Cisco, have it reconfigure the shell metals, use the gold titanium alloy from the Seraphim tactical satellite. That should ensure a fuselage integrity while maintaining power to weight ratio. Got it? His dad built all this dope and now he's like next in line. That is Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager here at Caspian Studios and our marketing aficionado. Iron Man is uh, one of the first really great, huge tentpole superhero movies of this latest generation. That is Dane Eckerly head of development at Caspian Studios, and Mr. Hollywood big shot movie maker himself. The film was made in 2000, or released in 2008. Robert Downey Jr. played the lead of Tony Stark. There was an awesome cast that consisted of Gwyneth Paltrow, Terrence Howard, Jeff Bridges, and a bunch of other really cool names. And uh, the movie released to massive box office numbers, doing, I think, over 580-some-odd million at the box office worldwide, and kind of just spawned the chain reaction of Marvel superhero movies as we know it today. And so why the heck are we talking about this today? Well, obviously it's an origin story, right? It's the first one of this massive uh, Marvel MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. First off, Iron Man was not like a premium superhero. And like, I think that people forget that, like that's Iron Man was kind of like a bit of a cast off. He wasn't really like that interesting or cool necessarily. He wasn't one of the most popular people. And of course he wasn't like a Superman uh, or a Batman, which were, which are much more popular. So Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It just suits a gold titanium alloy. Iron Man wasn't nearly as cool as he is today. And I think that when we look at businesses and telling our business origin stories, Usually, it's not necessarily the coolest people that start a business. It's usually somebody working somewhere in a basement in somewhere else. They got an idea. And it's not necessarily the coolest thing all the time. Now, years into the future, flash forward, public, 
offering billions of dollar valuations, all that cool stuff. In retrospect, it, it all seems like this cool story. But in the earlier days, if you're a marketer trying to figure out how to tell your origin story, that's pretty hard. And so we wanted to talk about that today. Back to Iron Man. So as you mentioned, he was considered this B-list comic character. It took a really long time to get this film even into production in the first place. So it took about 17 years from the idea to production, and it kept getting passed around, passed around, passed around from both studio, which started with Universal Pictures, and also director. And among directors considered was Quentin Tarantino, who seems like a wild choice for this movie. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. And they landed on John Favreau, who's now directed Elf and the live action Lion King and the Jungle Book. I knew him from acting in Rudy like long ago. Um, so I was surprised to hear that he ended up being the director of it, but it ended up being an amazing choice, obviously, because the movie has since done really well. But when they were considering making this movie, Marvel Studios wasn't really a, a thing, like the the Marvel Universe wasn't a thing. And they decided to bite the bullet. Um, Avi Arad, who was the studio's original head, and now Kevin Feige, who's the president of Marvel Studios, decided to make it their first self-financed movie. And it was a major gamble. One, because Avi Arad said that comics were still seen as something pretty niche and old. So, like this was going to be based on a 1963 comic. And they were like, how can we make people care about this character? And he said, nobody saw value in it. And on top of that, like Iron Man was was considered like a B-list comic character, like we said. And I I would have argued otherwise because, well, one, he's a super cool character, but you're kidding me with the hand up, right? Is it cool if I take a picture with you? Yes. It's very cool. Spider-Man had already come out in 2002 by the time this was in production and had done really well. So I was surprised by that, but Avirad just said Marvel had very low self-esteem, but their gamble did pay off. Uh, the movie ended up bringing in over $585 million at the box office, and that was when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was born. They've since released uh, 30 films with at least a dozen more in production, and um, Iron Man has become the highest-grossing movie franchise of all time, bringing in over $28 billion at the box office worldwide. They're now known for Spider-Man, Captain America, the Avengers, Thor, so many other big names as well. I mean, you could make an argument that as far as origin stories go, Bilbo Baggins uh, is up there. Uh, <laughs> Luke Skywalker is up there. Uh, and I think now, like, Iron Man has to be up there, right? I mean, in terms of, like, iconic characters that have spawned this multi-generational allure. But... I mean, none of this doesn't happen if this team doesn't say, hey, we want to start with him. I mean, they could have started with Thor. They could have started with, with any character, and they decided to, to do Iron Man. It is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I never said you're a superhero. Didn't? Mm -mm. So, Meredith, how do we tell origin stories? How does Marvel tell origin stories? So Marvel tells origin stories, there's there's always a point of transformation where the main character is sort of forced to go one way or another. Origin stories overall, they show us how, how we can be heroes by sort of pursuing the good over evil, right? These good deeds over power and riches. Yeah, peace. I love peace. I'd be out of a job with peace. 
And so they undergo three sort of types of identifiable experiences that force them to transform into their superhero-ness. One is trauma. So they undergo some sort of traumatic experience and they have this stress-induced growth. um, And that sort of spurs them into being a superhero. I saw young Americans killed by the very weapons I created to defend them and protect them. And I saw that I had become part of a system that is comfortable with zero accountability. Destiny, they're they're the chosen one. So they take on this responsibility and that forces them to grow up into this hero pretty early on. And then chance, this sort of random event in their life forces them to either go one way or another and they choose the path of the hero. Um, And as viewers or as like consumers of this content, right, these origin stories for us are they're comforting because they show us ways of coping with with negative life events, with adversity, how to find meaning in loss and trauma and how to figure out what your own strengths are and how to use them for good instead of evil, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I love those three ways to frame it. Trauma, destiny and chance. You know, obviously chance, meaning like the spider bites your hand and you become a radioactive spider, you become Spider-Man. Destiny sort of being the chosen one, Harry Potter, or, you know, this trauma, your parents die in a crazy accident. I never got to say goodbye to my father. There's questions that I would ask him. I would ask him how he felt about what this company did, if he was conflicted, if he ever had doubts. And I think that as marketers, picking which one of those closely resembles your origin story, your your founding team's origin story, the company's origin story, the product's origin story, whatever it is, is really important because they all shape, you know, where you came from and ultimately like where you're building towards and like what is the vision for the future. And I think that one of the things when we see, when we meet Tony Stark, he's out in the Middle East doing weapons tests because, you know, Stark Industries is doing weapons tests and he's out there and, uh, you know, I'd say he's morally dubious at this point in uh, in when we meet him. I don't want a body count to be that's, our only that's legacy. What we that's what we do. It. We're ironmongers. We make weapons. It's my name on the side of the building. And what we do keeps the world from falling into chaos. Not based on what I saw. And we learn that he's a genius. He builds this suit. And then he has this, you know, injury that he has to sort of like solve himself first. He's like got to fix himself before he can make change and and ultimately go on a path to like helping other people. Uh, I I had my eyes open. I came to realize that I have more to offer this world than just making things that blow up. And that is why, effective immediately, I am shutting down the weapons manufacturer division. But he doesn't start to say like, he's not like a a great guy uh, from the jump. And I think that's an interesting thing to play with as well is that, we enter this person's life with him being kind of a playboy, kind of being this, you know, very rich sort of. You went downstairs to get me a drink and you left me there by myself. Maybe isn't really using their talents for good or bad, but is just kind of using them to to do whatever. And uh, and then we see throughout the story that that, that stuff expands. I feel like it's really easy to think of an origin story as, you know, from the moment a character or an idea or a business was born, you know, like Bruce Wayne when he was a kid. But there's something cool about like the Tony Stark example that we're talking about today or Joker, where it's like 
you can start it a little further along and you can still see the launch of something that's not, you know, day one, but like day 20 and show how we got to where we are today. And yeah, I just think that that like showing that peek behind the curtain, even if it's not glamorous and glossy, like a Joker or like a Tony Stark, who you said morally maybe is a little bit dubious. And what do you say to your other nickname, the Merchant of Death? That's not bad. It helps you understand like where they were, why they were there and kind of where they're coming from in a way that's, you know, a little more gentle and easier to kind of rally behind and root for. And I think that's especially important with some of the business, you know, whether it's to consumer or B2B stuff, I think, you know, it could be your second venture where maybe it's not your Rocky Balboa story, but that doesn't mean that your origin story isn't any less important, you know, just because you're not rags to riches. Maybe this is your second or third venture and you've sold two businesses. It's still really interesting to see how those things inform the inception of whatever this particular story or company or business or product is. Yeah, and so often we're going to start at the inciting moment. Like that's pretty core to the Joseph Campbell uh, hero's journey is like we need some sort of catalyst. But sometimes that catalyst is a long time coming. And the moment that you decide to say, I'm going to start the company, it makes it more memorable and it makes it more interesting. And the fact that we know that Iron Man started, you know, in a cave essentially with this technology that he created to save himself is really interesting. That doesn't look like a Jericho missile. That's because it's a miniaturized arc reactor. I got a big one powering my factory at home. Right? He wasn't trying to save the world. He wasn't trying to fight off Thanos. He was just trying to save himself. And then, you know, after that, he figured out, oh, geez, I now have this responsibility to do something else with this gift that I've been given. And that, to me, is so compelling. Your life's work in the hands of those murderers. Is that how you want to go out? Or are you going to do something about it? Yeah, and I think that that leads to a really interesting point about origin stories too, which I think is just the the idea of transparency. Even I don't think I'm Iron Man. You're not Iron Man. You're not. not. All right, shoot yourself. You don't have to show this stuff. You don't have to be vulnerable and honest and show your infancy form or the thing that made you who you are today. But just the mere fact that you're willing to like open the door or give people a peek behind the curtain at like the things that made you or your company or your character, what it is today. I think it's something that consumers especially just relate to because you're like, oh, this is just a person who is trying to do their thing. There's just something really humanizing and honest about being able to see how something started that I think just makes the actual eventual product or character that much more digestible and easy to root for or rally behind. And I think you need to showcase the struggles to get from this before world to, you know, the after world, which in Tony's case, like it takes him a while, right? Throughout the course of, of Iron Man, the movie, he's not on the up and up the entire way, right? There's many, many points where he is sort of giving up or he needs to be talked into things. And ultimately the, like Nick Fury is the one who is the person that gets him to commit to something that's more than himself. Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not just himself realizing that. That's another important thing for us in our storytelling is like, it's not just you going alone. There are all sorts of these other people in your life that are going to influence that. And in a business's life, there's all sorts of other things that are, that are going to happen that uh, you need to fight through. And like telling those stories, like those are critical to Tony. I do anything and everything that Mr. Sark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. Will that be all? 
in the same way that, you know, people in a business, that there's so many different people that make a business happen, not just the founders. One interesting part about an origin story is like you're at 50 of 100 in terms of like where you want your business to go. If you started at zero and you're revealing your zero, but you're at 50, you're already being able to point to so much growth in terms of showing what's what's kind of scaled so far and where certain learnings have been and how far the company has come or our product has come. And I think that's really, especially in a business capacity, that's really nice to be able to point to when you're looking at your past and you're saying, look, if history repeats itself, all of this growth from our origin story to today got us here. And all the growth we have on the horizon is what's going to, you know, propel us to that 100 mark because you you can prove and you can point to and show you've come so far, you know? And I think that's great to be able to point to in terms of what the future holds as well. Often we see a a timeline. Every company has this on their website. Here's when the idea was made in the garage. Here's when they met their co-founders. Here's when they sold their first product. If you looked at a timeline of Tony Stark, you'd be like, that is boring as hell, right? Because that's not a story. That's just a bunch of events. Like, At age four, he built his first circuit board. At age six, his first engine. And at 17, he graduated summa cum laude from MIT. Tony gets kidnapped. Like, Tony, in cave, you know, creates technology. Like, that's not interesting at all. But it's how they feel in those moments. It's the in-between those two dots on the timeline that that's where the marketer introduces the memorable parts of the story. Like the, uh, the reasons behind the human elements of those are like what makes a story memorable and great. And for Tony Stark, like he's just freaking hilarious. He's flippant, he's irreverent, he's funny, he's all those things. He has so much personality. And obviously Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, right? Forever and always now because he embodies the character. And that's what we remember. We know the struggles that he went through, um, not just a timeline of their accomplishments. And I think that so much with business storytelling, we focus on the timeline of accomplishments and not the thought and the rigor and the difficulties and the struggles that sort of go into those middle pieces because we don't want to like air dirty laundry or things like that. But if you illuminate the process a little bit more, I think that you'd get a more richer full story and it would ultimately be more remarkable. People would talk about it more. Yeah, one thing that I think is kind of cool about, and I think it's one of the reasons why we chose to talk about Iron Man is because as we talk about like using an origin story to humanize someone or something or a product or a business, so much about the storytelling device in Iron Man and the origin story of Tony Stark. And a lot of the reasons why Robert Downey Jr. was great casting is because obviously, personally, as a human and as just an actor, he was going through his own stuff. He had things that he had to overcome. He had struggles that he was dealing with. I'm just not the the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I made, largely public. And similar to Tony Stark, it wasn't like he was starting from the ground floor when he did Iron Man. He had previous credits. He had done other things in the business. But just because you're at that level and you've done that thing or those things doesn't mean you don't have your own stuff to overcome. And so there's that sort of meta approach with Iron Man where it's like the actor behind the character and the character himself both have struggles, both have demons, and both have a certain sort of like uh, renaissance happening. And so I think there's a lot to be gleaned there, not just from the movie and the story, but the actor and the story behind how he came to get that role too, which is sort of like a meta, meta origin story in its own right. You mentioned not putting just like a timeline up. 
Do you have um, recommendations for B2B companies? Like what sort of format would they want to do it in? What would that look like? I think that first off, you need to really set out your company's story using a framework like the one that we're talking about with Marvel, with those three things that we're talking about in this episode, using Hero's Journey, using some some type of framework to try to layer it in there. Because I think it's so hard to tell a story without guardrails. The exercise of doing that allows you to see all of the different components of what happened and gets you to answer questions that you didn't necessarily know. But I think you need to like start with trying to put it into a framework to figure that stuff out. Ultimately, what that does is it lays a foundation for what you believe in the future. And there's lots of things that go into that with like the values of the company and the vision of the company. But if you anchor it back to this origin that you have this reason for for all of this taking place. And this is why we believe in the mission. This is why we have these values as a company. This is why we believe in the vision that we're trying to achieve is having this foundational element of a company that like we set out to solve this. Maybe the thing that you set out to solve is to help salespeople get better at sales, or maybe it's to you know lower costs for cloud storage. Whatever the mission of the organization is, it all harkens back to that origin story. So for a company, I think you need to look at like the vision, mission values for sure as part of that. But saying the origin story feeds into those things and it feeds into like a future looking assessment of, of where you want to be. And that's where, why the origin story is, is so important. I think another element to explaining what your mission is and uh, bringing people on that mission is is also bringing them on the journey with you and continuously giving them updates on things, especially from a, a business perspective. I'd like to open a new project file indexed as Mark II. I like when there's an emotional connection between me and the brand. And a lot of times a good way to do that is through social media, for example. So like I use Canva as an example, and I follow them on LinkedIn. And it's like the only business account that I follow on LinkedIn. And like, I actually care what they post because I feel like I'm going on a journey with them. Like their product started off like this and I used it then. And they always have these new updates and they, they take feedback into consideration and they admit when they do something wrong. Um, and they kind of bring you on that journey with them and you kind of feel like you're a part of it. And I think that's a really key element to uh, building the relationship with your audience as well. Funny you should say that. Canva was going to be one of my three examples. So I have an example for Trauma, Destiny, and Chance for founding stories. So my example for, for Trauma was Canva because back in the day, Melanie Perkins, she was at university teaching classes on how to design using like programs like InDesign and Photoshop and stuff like that. And people were really struggling to learn it, let alone like use it. And so she was basically like the software was the problem that it was just too hard to use. And so she wanted to create a platform that everyone could use without a huge budget or advanced design skills. Design isn't just for designers. It's for everyone. Canva is the free tool that makes designing anything easy. And she had that classic pain point. I have this problem and then I need to solve it. And then 15 years later, and Canva is 
you know, one of our favorite products here at Caspian, but just like an absolutely amazing company that helps tons and tons of people do exactly what she meant to do back then. And they have had their trials and tribulations and all sorts of crazy stuff, but they got there. Whereas like you compare that to Salesforce, where I would say that this is more like a destiny story where Mark Benioff was working at Oracle. He was in a sales career and he started Salesforce with, with their co-founders and the idea of they were going to take, you know, CRM and make it in the cloud, like not have it be sold as software, which is a very visionary idea that nobody really even had thought of or understood yet. It's the most trusted cloud platform with the highest level of security that meets requirements for the world's most regulated industries. And I think he definitely has that destiny in mind of like, we were destined to change how software is created and sold and, and going cloud first. And then you compare that to someone like Stuart Butterfield who created Slack, where Slack began as an internal tool for his company, TinySpec, um, they were a game development company developing online games and um, they were creating this game called Glitch and they just couldn't communicate effectively and get stuff done. And so they created this tool and then, you know, it became, it became Slack. Slack lets us do all our communication in one place. It's like combining multiple forms of messaging and file sharing into one app. And so three different founders, three different ways that those companies started three different stories, but they, they literally fit that exact Marvel mold of like how those things are created. And if you go into like the best software companies that they usually follow one of those three things, it's a really powerful tool to look at those. And again, sometimes it's, it's a few different things. Of course, there's going to be chance involved. Of course, there's probably going to be trauma and pain involved, but you can hone in and tell your story better if you understand those three pieces. Truly similar to what Colin was saying. I use Canva. I loved it, but I didn't know where it came from. And then I read a, a huge write-up on how it came to be and everything that she went through trying to mount this and like get it to the masses and all the rejection, all the pain. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm getting a pro account. I'll, I'll throw 15 bucks a month at this software. This is incredible. I love it even more now. It was already functional and I loved it. And then I loved it even more just knowing where it came from. And that's true. That's just a personal anecdote of like, origin stories. I'm a sucker for them, especially when it's an underdog story. I think we all are, you know, that, that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, it's why if you have a company that sells chicken eggs sitting next to all the other chicken eggs and you say like, oh, this is from the Faison family farms and here's how we treat our chickens and here's what we feed our chickens. And here's why we went into this business in the first place. And like my great, great grandfather was a chicken farmer. So here is the chicken you'll be oh, enjoying tonight. You have this information. This is fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, his name was Colin. Here are his papers, okay? That's great. All of those stories have these really interesting origin stories, and they market them. The Dick's origin story is literally on a gigantic wall in the checkout aisle of Dick's, like photos of the original store. I see it every single time I go in there. You know, REI, co-op, they have the, it all started with a ice pick and they have an ice pick that's like a replica, or maybe it's a real ice pick, uh, in the stores of the first ones. There are so many examples of those sort of things that it's so memorable. I know that. I want to be a member. I love being an REI member. I love the, what they stand for. I love all that stuff, but I know the origin story and it doesn't matter to me that they used to just do ice picks and now I buy my shoes there or whatever. Like those things really matter. And 
there's a reason why they cement those things in your mind. This is how we started. This is our vision. This is what we believe. And we will continue to do this forever. Well, awesome. Thanks everyone for listening. Our recommendation, our lesson to you is uh, when you're doing the origin story of your company or doing any type of origin story marketing, it could be for a new product, a new service, you know, whatever it is, think of uh, the three types of identifiable experiences, trauma, destiny, and chance. Make something remarkable. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies. So if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak. Be remarkable and rise above the noise. All right. If I, you know, eat eggs every day and I put a little bit in my hair, 